0: Shalom, this is Rabbi Tama Davis Hart from Beth Elohim Messianic Synagogue in Florida, bringing you a message today entitled Zechariah, End Time Prophecy. Now Zechariah and Haggai were contemporaries, and they both wrote to encourage the rebuilding of the temple after the return from the Babylonian captivity. However, both of them also looked into the prophetic future, and their books are as relevant for us today as for Israel then, Zechariah was the son of Berechiah, the grandson of Edo. And these three names are extremely interesting and meaningful. For if we translate the names into English, we find that Zechariah means Yahweh returns. Berechiah means Yahweh comforts. And Edo means the time appointed. So reading them as a sentence, we have Yahweh returns, Yahweh comforts in the time appointed. This is amazing. Yahweh Elohim, in his hidden message, tells the Jewish people that they remain his chosen people and he will be there for them in the time appointed. And I believe that time is very, very soon. Jews are back in their homeland. Israel is a vibrant and growing nation. Jewish people are praying and looking for the Messiah. And work has begun on the temple implements. The priesthood is being trained, even if the actual construction of the temple has not. Nevertheless, preparations are being made. Zechariah's book is fourteen chapters long. Seven is the number of spiritual perfection, and fourteen is a multiple of seven, which implies a double measure. This number associated with two, as in two times seven, adds its own significance. Two is the number associated with the Incarnation, and in Zechariah we have several, several Messianic prophecies. Zechariah was murdered by his own brethren in the temple courtyard between the temple and the altar, and Yeshua spoke of it while addressing the scribes and Pharisees about their unbelief, and likened them to the people who had murdered Zechariah. In Matthew twenty three thirty five it reads, That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, son of Baccharias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar, unquote. In chapter one verse eight, Zachariah began to describe a series of visions. The first was quote, the rider on the red horse, unquote. Zechariah saw a red horse ridden by a man among the myrtle trees, and behind him were red horses speckled and white. As we read further we learn that these are ministering spirits that have walked to and fro in the earth among the Gentile nations and found the nations at rest, not concerned about the plight of the Jewish people's suffering. In fact, they added to it. Then we read of Zechariah's second vision of, quote, the four horns, unquote. These horns, like Daniel's vision, represent the four great world empires of history, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. At the same time, four carpenters were revealed to him, who were chosen of Yahweh to whittle away, to cast out the Gentile powers that have raised their horns over the land of Judah to scatter it. Then Zechariah sees a vision of a man with a measuring line in his hand. This vision brings us to the end times after the end of the fourth world power, a resurrected Rome in the guise of the European Union. We are headed toward that this very day. Don't think that it's just China and Russia that are teaming up. Oh, yeah, they're teaming up, but the power that they're going to be going against is the European Union. They resurrected Rome. This is Edom that God will destroy. The man he saw was preparing to survey the temple site, and Zechariah is told there will come a time when cities will be built without walls, meaning no necessity for defenses. And as I read this, I see it as the time of the millennium reign of Yeshua, in verse 2 6, Zechariah issues an invitation for Israel to flee from these nations where they have sought shelter. And it says, Oh, oh, come forth and flee from the land of the north, saith Yahweh, for I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heaven, saith Yahweh. Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwellest with the daughter of Babylon. For thus saith Yahweh of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me into the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. For behold, I will shake mine hand upon them, and they shall be as SPOIL to their servants. And ye shall know that Yahweh of hosts hath sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion! For lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Yahweh. So here we see the regathering of Israel from the earth into their homeland, and the bringing of justice to those who have harmed His people. It's also instructive for us to ponder the phrase, Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwelleth with the daughter of Babylon. Here we should know that Yahweh is speaking of a system, not a particular city or nation, but all nations that have attached themselves to mystery Babylon, an adulterated religious system. This is Catholicism. We next come to Zachariah's vision of Joshua, the high priest joshua the name of our messiah yeshua that's another name for it joshua Yehoshua, yeshua in this vision zacharias sees joshua the Kohen gadol the high priest standing in filthy clothes and hasatan or satan stood by to accuse him but was rebuked by the angel of yahweh i believe in this context this angel is yeshua then the angel orders joshua's filthy garments to be taken away and new garments be placed upon Joshua. Then the angel of Yahweh says to Joshua, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. In the vision, I believe that Joshua represents Israel, who has come to know that Yeshua, here represented as the angel of Yahweh, is the Messiah. For in the next vision, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, is identified as the branch, Yahweh's servant who comes to establish the Millennial Kingdom. In Zechariah's next vision, he sees a menorah and two olive trees, standing one on each side of it, continually feeding the menorah with oil. The seven-lamp menorah is the ancient symbol of Israel, and today is the symbol on Israel's shield. Olive leaves stand on each side of this shield. The two olive trees are identified in verse 14 as the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the earth. In Revelation 11, we see these two olive trees, anointed ones, identified as the two witnesses. These two witnesses, as the two olive trees, or anointed ones, have variously been identified as Elijah and Moshe, or others. Moshe representing the Torah, that's God's instructions, and Elijah representing the prophets, or as some have said, grace. When we consider that this man is appointed once to die, we have another element to consider. The only two men who did not die a natural death but were translated into heaven were Elijah and Enoch, which better seems to fulfill the requirements of the character of these two witnesses. To me, that causes me to ponder and to exercise caution in declaring one of these two witnesses as Moshe who died a natural earthly death. These two witnesses are killed during the tribulation, which would fulfill the command of Hashem that we are appointed once to die. However, there is evidence to the contrary in Revelation 11.6 that would lead us to believe that these two witnesses are indeed Moshe and Elijah. And it says, These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them into blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. These are two characteristics of Elijah and Moshe. So I want to offer you another possibility, and that is of Judah Israel and Ephraim Israel. If we consider that Judah, the Jewish people have throughout the years since their dispersion, have been zealous for the written Torah and a steadfast witness of the written Torah. On the other hand, Ephraim Israel, Ephraim being the technical word for Gentile, has in Christianity been a witness for God's grace. The result is that Yahweh's two witnesses on earth, represented by these two groups, have been a combined witness for His Torah, His law, and His grace. Remember, they are inextricable. They cannot have one without the other. They are both required to be considered a true believer. Yeshua the Messiah gave to us the definition of a true believer in his commentaries in Revelation, when he defined a true believer, as I just said, as one who puts their trust in him and obeys the Torah of God. That's out of love for him. I see these two groups as witnesses, each represented by a man raised up for this purpose during the tribulation. They being the olive tree standing on each side of the menorah with Yeshua The shamish, or servant lamp, that incorporates grace and law into one cohesive whole. I believe this is what the scriptures teach, and it's consistent throughout God's Torah. We now come to the flying role in chapter five, one of Zechariah's visions. From our perspective, it seems that Zechariah is trying to describe some type of aircraft or missiles. In rabbinic Judaism, they call it the uh, flying Torah. We are informed that it is to destroy the wicked. Well, indeed, the Torah will. Today, as you've seen, war is conducted with heavy reliance upon aircraft and missiles that deliver death and destruction. Troops are committed as a last resort. The dimensions given by Zechariah fit comfortably with a modern airplane that's commonly twice as long as it is wide. In the verses that follow, this flying roll is called the ephah and the spirit accompanying Zechariah's visions showed that a woman sat in the midst of it. This woman is most likely symbolic of mystery Babylon, reprehensive of false religion. The spirit tells Zechariah that this is wickedness, and the spirit then closed an opening in the object with some kind of metal door. Then Zechariah noticed two other women and wings like the wings of a stork. These occupants flew the aircraft up between heaven and earth And Zechariah asked where the flying machine was going, as told in verse 11. And he said unto me, To build it in house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established, and set there upon her own base. This seems to be symbolic language employed prophesying the reestablishment of Babylon. This could be a reference to the religion of Mystery Babylon, becoming a worldwide system of worship, while other religions are eradicated. So, we need to look at the Hebrew word ephah. This word has been translated as a measurement, but if we look at the root words that combine to produce this word, we may have a new understanding as well. The first part of the ephah comes from the Hebrew word ay, that's IY, that means to make a mournful sound, a howler. And the second part comes from the Hebrew word pa, which means to puff or blow away. This could be a description of a jet engine as it pushes through the sky. We now come to the four chariots in the sequence of Zechariah's visions. In chapter 6 we see four chariots coming from between two mountains of brass. And again we see the symbology of four horses. One chariot is pulled by red horses, one by black horses, one by white horses, and the fourth by grizzled horses. This is revelation language. And it takes us to the end of time and the book of Revelation where we read of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Zechariah tells us in 6, 5 through 7. And the angel answered and said to me, These are the four spirits of the heavens which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. The black horses which are therein go forth in the north country and the white go forth after them and the grizzled go forth toward the south country and the bay went forth and sought to go that they might walk to and fro through the earth, and he said, Get you hence, walk to and fro through the earth. So they walked to and fro through the earth. Moreover, in verse eight we're told, Then cried he upon me, and spake unto me, saying, Behold, these that go toward the North Country have quieted my spirit in the North Country. This latter verse could be a reference to the downfall of the atheistic Soviet Empire that is gone on to become a reality already. We see many of the Soviet Jews who have migrated to Israel, indeed. At this point in Zechariah's narrative we're told that Joshua, the son of the Kohen-Gadal, be given a crown. And starting at 6, 11-13 uh, it says, Then take silver and gold and make crowns, and set them upon the head of Joshua, the son of Joshadak, the high priest, and speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh Yahweh of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Yahweh, even he shall build the temple of the Yahweh, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Now this can't be a reference to anyone else but Yeshua HaMashiach, our Messiah his second coming, and his building of the Millennium Temple, establishing his throne and ruling for a thousand years from Jerusalem. In chapter 8, we see further encouragement to rebuild the temple and the promise that one day Israel will be established as the head of nations. Chapter 9, we see a prophecy of the upcoming judgment of the Palestinians, perhaps partially fulfilled, but certainly has pertinence for today. Then we see the last three chapters, are devoted to the years of the tribulation time and the last great battle, Armageddon or Harmegido. Chapter 12, 1 through 3, we need but to read it aloud to see the validity of Yahweh's statement to Zechariah for this day. Never before has this verse been so credible. And it says, The burden of the word of Yahweh for Israel, saith Yahweh, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth, and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Today the world almost totally... Stands against Israel. It's just a matter of time until this hatred will translate into a worldwide political move of aggression and armed conflict. We can see it today more than ever. However, Yahweh, in his mercy, promises that in that day he will come to their aid. And a very interesting verse in 8 of this chapter is In that day shall Yahweh defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as Yahweh, as the angel of Yahweh before them. This assures that the least able soldier of Israel will be as as a David, as David was to Goliath. Already Israel's soldiers are known for their courage and fighting skills, but God promises them supernatural help even to making each soldier into a David. And at this point in the narrative, We have the second coming of the Messiah, and in Zechariah we read, in 13.6, And one shall say to him, What are these wounds in thy hand? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Judah will recognize their Messiah as none other than Yeshua HaMashiach. This is consistent with scriptures in God's Torah in the Bible that say that the Jews, Judah, has been blinded for a time. They do not recognize Yeshua as Messiah ben David, but they will at this time. And in chapter 14 we are thrilled by the description of his appearance. And it says, Then shall Yahweh go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand on that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. Yeshua appears to Judah when all nations are gathered around Jerusalem to destroy her. Can you imagine the excitement? I'm excited just teaching this. The Messiah will be here. He will save us. Then in verse 12, we see the outcome of this battle. Zechariah fourteen twelve, And this shall be the plague wherein Yahweh shall smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. And righteous judgment shall be established upon the headship of Messiah, under the headship of Messiah. The kingdom of heaven will be established on the earth, and we read in verse sixteen, and it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, Yahweh of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. At that time God's Torah will once again be the law of the land. The temple will be rebuilt by the Messiah. Israel will be the head of the nations. And true Shalom, God's peace, will reign on the earth for a thousand years. Yeshua HaMashiach, our Paschal Lamb, our Passover Lamb, our Cohen Gedal, our High Priest, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, will rule from Jerusalem. Amin and Amin.